Captain Austin Podcast. Hey, can you hear me? Hey, Pete. Awesome. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me okay? Oh, man, you sound great. Sound great. All right, cool. Um, yeah, well, I wanted to start off with, uh, tell us about, um, you know, we'll just jump right into it. Tell us about how you came up with the name Summer Sleep and, and where, what was that was kind of inspired from. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, around 2020, you know, everybody's kind of locked down. Um, I was coming off of a break from music and wanted to do something completely different than I had done before. And uh, basically, it was like, I, I'd gone through like name generators, and I'm really bad at branding. So, um, you know, someone had said, well, what are, what are two things you like? And I was like, well, I want this music to be really chill. So, you know, summer, you know, summer music, you know, and then just something you can just chill to. And with the alliteration, summer sleep just kind of came about. And I pretty much just turned it into a character at this point, like a living, breathing character. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a, what, what interested me about wanting to chat with you is, you know, I, I don't get an opportunity to interview a lot of musicians on my show and you know, I'm an independent musician myself. And a lot of the stuff that I, write and record is is all instrumental and you know obviously there's a big instrumental component in your music so i just kind of wanted to talk to you kind of talk shop a little bit about what instruments you play kind of um you know talk to us a little bit how you create your music what instruments you play if, it's, if it's, you're doing it all digitally um i'd love to hear all about it um yeah i mean the general rule is if it can make some form of sound it gets recorded so uh, you know, I'm a terrible drummer, but I'm good at programming beats. So a lot of the beat, I mean, all of the beats you hear in Summer Sleep are, are programmed beats, even if I had to simulate, you know, real kit and humanize it and velocity. And then, you know, f for layering, um, you know, I, I'm a kind of jack of all trades. I don't have one instrument mastered. I'll never lie to you and say I do. But, um, you know, guitars, bass, keyboards, you know, some brass, but um you know i, I play I, everything you hear on the record minus one guitar solo in uh punching in a dream that was done by by a friend of mine but everything you hear in summer sleep is is me like guitars bass drums vocals all of it okay so i'm a little naive sometimes too because i know recording software has gotten so advanced especially uh -huh. even like in the last five years so are you are you playing actual analog instruments then? Or are you kind of just replicating it on like a MIDI keyboard? Are you actually playing a guitar when you hear guitar on the songs? Yeah, guitar, guitar and bass, one hundred percent are okay. actual guitars and basses. In like, I have a home studio. Uh, you know, I have one room that is just completely, you know, sound treated everything. And you know, I have about twelve guitars in here, plus God knows how many basses and keyboards and so those instruments are real um the vocal is obviously real if I, if I have to use a vocoder sometimes i'll do that but mm -hmm. and then um a lot of the i mean keyboard sounds it's just those are just midi uh, at that point yeah to talk really shop i'm using serum at that point okay yeah is that a plug-in i'm assuming yeah, Serum is, okay. is like a, yeah, it's like a VST. And then what happens is you can download different sounds for it. And, um, you know, there's an entire musical subculture of people that make different sounds and effects and then 
you either buy them or you you know or you download them yeah you buy them like in a pack my yeah uh, presets my yeah oh yeah my understanding of um i play instruments and i i'm very creative as far as i, I can kind of i can have like a conceptually I know what I want to hear in something. And that's why mm -hmm. I have a, um, you know, an engineer that I work with to kind of help generate the sounds that I'm going for, because when it comes to actually using recording software and the plugins, I mean, it is, such, it's like a whole fucking different world, man. It and is. It's hard for me to kind of wrap my brain around sometimes. So it's like, I haven't even really, I've barely grazed the surface with that stuff. So uh, I'm, I apologize if I sound a little naive when I'm talking about some of this stuff, because I just never, I mean, and I'm sure you would agree with me on this. It's like just knowing how to master an instrument in itself can take decades, let alone like trying to learn how to like, you know, use recording software. You know, that's like a whole other thing. And there's just not enough hours in the day sometimes. So it's I respect the fact that you know how to do all those things. Well, I, I'll actually I'll actually piggyback on. And I appreciate that, by the way. I didn't I didn't want to leave you hanging there. I do appreciate that. And it ties to something Rebel Music that was on your last episode had yeah. said, um, where it's like, he and I, I, that interview could have been <laughs> just me. Like, you could have just recorded that twice and been like, you know, Summer's experience, um, you know, is extremely similar to Rebel Music's because yeah. it was like, you know, my father, and his father instilled it in him, my father instilled it in me of diversify you can't just be one thing mm -hmm. so for for similar almost exactly what he said it was like do you need a producer yeah i can produce do you need a writer you know all right if you need you know this kind of wacky instrument you know i'll figure it out and and that's the same philosophy that i have um and producing producing came out of covid because it was like i couldn't you know, all the all the music industry contacts I've made over the years had dried up. They're all in, you know, doing amazing things. And and I was like, well, what, what the heck do I do now? So um, I learned how to produce better. <laughs> and I and I recorded the first album on my bathroom floor in March of 2020. Mm. And and, you know, production, I mean, for people who are learning how to produce, there's a lot of crappy information out there. But the easiest thing I did was I just started looking at Instagram because there were people who had different, you know, production cheat sheets and stuff where it was like, do you want this kind of sound? You know, here's the settings you have to have or this kind of compression or, I see. or, or this is your vocal chain, you know, the different things you have to have when you do vocals. Because prior to that, I first learned how to record on cassette tapes and boom boxes. I mean, I'm going to date myself a little bit. And the first editing I ever did was with a razor blade and scotch tape on a reel-to-reel. -reel. So, wow. so yeah. So this is like an entire new universe. Yeah, like I said, man, it's so overwhelming because the way uh -huh. that I think of it, and you know, feel free to correct me, is it's like obviously there's all these different recording softwares. There's Reason. There's Fruity Loops. Um, you know, there's quite a few of them, and then you have all the different plugins and then you have to know how to manipulate the settings within these different recording interfaces to kind of get the sound that you want. It just almost mm -hmm. seems like infinite information, you know, that's why I think it, for it really me, is. like, I'm sure I could figure it out if I really wanted to devote the time, but it's just so overwhelming in and itself. And I'm so in love with just playing analog instruments that I just, 
think that you know like you know rebel music for example he comes kind of from a rapper hip-hop background so i mm-hmm. think learning for him how to makeshift his beats that's a big part of his identity in the music space as were with me it was like i was so fixated on just learning how to play analog instruments and so i kind of missed out on that digital space a little bit so sometimes i feel like i'm kind of playing catch up with that but but i don't think you need to and that's like with y'all i listened to y'all's music a couple months ago when we first started talking to you guys and the the things i thought were like i didn't think it was like any issues with production like like y'all were essentially a lo-fi band and i was like yeah this is this is solid work if I came in, I would just be, you know, the bloated idiot making, you know, making, pushing around orders and making recommendations on something that didn't really need it. You know, yeah. because if you, uh, I mean, if you, I would say stay the course and continue your artistry because you have a good thing going. And if you wanted to get into out of lo-fi and get into like high fidelity, then I would say, hey, devote six months to, you know, lock yourself in a room and figure out pro tools or but but i wouldn't do that to you because i don't think that's your thing i think your thing is the artistry that's in the lo-fi work and the instrumentals yeah, yeah i i wouldn't Thousand change percent. that because it's going to change your artistry and and what the hell's the point in that like do, do you want to sound like everybody else probably not no. <laughs> you know if 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 you know in in music your own worst enemy is not some other band that's getting the bookings or getting the Spotify streams. Your worst enemy is yourself because you're like, Oh, well, I better change to this because people are downloading. This guy got 3 million streams. I better do this. Or, you know, and it's like, if you do that, you're chasing ghosts because none of that stuff is real. Yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, I just love like watching rebel in the studio. It's inspiring, man, to see. Cause like, you know, like you were saying, it's just, it's a whole nother just realm of information that I don't fully understand. And so I get really kind of excited and expired when I see people who um, just know how to do something really well that I don't understand. So I see what he does. And sometimes I think to myself, like, man, I wish I could kind of do that myself. But uh, no, I, I just like I said, I have a lot of respect for people that know how to engineer and also be musicians. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. It came out of necessity, like with this band, it came out of necessity because, you know, prior prior to COVID, I kind of did things backwards, which has been pretty much the story of my entire career. But when I, you know, I was I was in a band that was touring Austin pretty hard and, and especially San Marcos in Austin and San Antonio. And then, you know, the I went as far as I could with that band. I, I kind of. I was playing trombone for them and I kind of felt like a novelty, like towards the end, I was like, okay, I'm just the monkey with the trombone, like, you know, dance monkey dance kind of thing. And I just didn't like it anymore. And I wanted to write. And so I took a couple years off of music, you know, to write. And at that point when COVID happened, like my life went to hell. I mean, there was all kinds of bad things that happened in my life. So I was like, while people are taking a break from music, I'm going to jump in all the way. So, mm-hmm. so that's why, that's why I pretty much, you know, locked myself in my bedroom and in my, you know, did the vocals and music in the bathroom because it was, you know, the reverb in there and stuff. Um, you know, there were certain sounds that I was looking for. And if you hear stuff like the ocean never ends, 
which is the first one of the first songs I released. That's where the whole dream pop came, you know, this era of it, you know, doing the dream pop stuff. That's where this came from was just the sounds that I was getting, you know, in, in the house. Yeah. Was, um, and you know, it's, it's funny, man, when, <laughs> when you're talking to another musician about music, because mm -hmm. I, I hate labels, right? Because yeah. they put you, they put you within boundaries but I think it's kind of human nature is we like to define things and it's very hard to define your music because it's very, it's kind of a hodgepodge. It really and is. Yeah. What I, so I'm a huge fan of eighties music. I'm, I nerd out over kind of the eighties new wave and the eighties retro. I've been a fan of that music since I was a kid. Um, I, you know, when I listen to songs like maybe blood, maybe champagne, um, uh, say my name in the mirror three times, which is a badass song, by the way. I think that's probably my favorite song of yours. Thank you. Um, I and to be fair, I haven't listened to your entire catalog yet, but what I've heard so far, those were the two standouts for me. And uh, I, I correct me if I'm wrong here, but I can tell they're very um, new wave influenced. I hear a lot of that '80s influence in there and I, i'm i'm curious to kind of get your perspective on that and and kind of if if i'm correct on that or where you kind of pull some of your inspiration for some of this stuff oh you absolutely hit the nail on the head so there was a there's a series of songs it's um it's a shame to watch you fall maybe blood maybe champagne the one that you mentioned and there's a couple more um there's anything you see with like this neon tentacles on the cover mm -hmm. that, that album tentacles which say my name in the mirror three times is on yeah that that memories are gone. That was the other one. Um, a lot of those songs were absolutely 80s influence because during COVID, you know, during lockdown and all that stuff, I was just kind of, I had a very small bubble of friends and on Friday nights, we would just listen to New Wave. Like, you know, they, these, these guys are, you know, like ex, you know, in high school, they were the goth kids that, you know, just listen to a lot of, of New Wave as well. So that just started seeping into me. So I went from the dreamy stuff into the new wave. Um, and actually, to interest you, there's some lo-fi in there, too. Yeah. Uh, there's absolutely. a couple lo-fi songs in there. But it all just kind of evolved to whatever I was listening to at the time. And it was like, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. Like, uh, you know, the 80s stuff. I grew. I mean, I grew up in the 80s again. I'm going to date myself a little bit. But that's the one genre I didn't get to do. So I was like, okay, it's just me. You know, it's like, I don't have to entice a bass player and a drummer and guitarist to come over here and watch me go through a new wave phase. You know, I'm a huge joy division fan. I'm a huge new order fan. So I was like, you know what, let me, let me take my stab at doing new wave. And yeah. then since then, um, you know, someone, a, a mentor had kind of consulted me and said, okay, idiot, you've done all these beats, you've done the lo-fi stuff, you've done semi, I, I call it like light goth. <laughs> like, you know, you've done some of these, I like dark, that. these light gothy, early, you know, dark wavy kind of things. Now, like you need to get back on the road. You've been, you know, you were on the road for 20 years. You're going to need to get back on the road. So um, I was like, well, how the hell do I replicate that live? One, I don't really have a lot of friends. Yeah, you know, the guy never leaves the studio, but 
And I was like, I don't have a full band. And backing, I tried backing tracks and it sounded like karaoke. So I was like, I'm just going to go back to the dreamy stuff again and just make it even crazier. And that's where you're going to start to see things like the last two songs I released, uh, Without You and The Ghost of Us. Mm -hmm. So I'm going kind of back to that. But if there was ever another interest in the 80s, you know, and the, and the, and the new wave stuff, I would make Tentacles Part 2. I would do that in a heartbeat because that was a very fun album to make. Dude, I really liked that EP a lot. And, you know, I, I, you. I definitely, I was kind of drawn more to that sound because, um, yeah, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, like, kind of some of the more up-tempo up electronic influence stuff. I like some of it. I'm not talking about your music specifically. Mm -hmm. I just mean in general. Um, so I have a tendency to kind of go, I'm drawn more to kind of slower BPM. Mm -hmm. And kind of that more just wavier sort of sound. Like you had mentioned New Order and Joy Division, both incredible bands. And um, yeah, dude, there's just something about that sound. Just kind of like, you know, 4-4 four, four beat, kind of slower BPM, not really, not overly complicated. And I think that's why I really love kind of that lo-fi sound too, you know. Give me, give me a bass drum, a hi-hat, a snare, maybe a little synth. And, you know, I'm cool with that. But I, I have to say, I really, really enjoyed Say My Name in the Mirror three times. Like, when I listened to that song, I was like, this sounds like this could be in... Um, that song kind of made me think of... Are you a fan of the, the movie American Psycho? Yeah, very well. Yeah, so obviously, you know, that whole movie to me is just like a homage to, like, 80s music. But... Um, I was like, you know, if they ever wanted to do like a rendition of kind of like a, a slasher film that took place kind of in the 80s, but had kind of a yuppie undertone to it, that would be a great fucking song for a movie, man. It's funny you, you mentioned like movies, because what I get all the time, especially like Punching in a Dream gets it, um, is that we get like I call I say we like, I, don't, I don't know if you're a comic book, but I kind of talk like Venom. You know, where it's like, we like this, but, yeah, um, you know, generally, you know, the vibe that I always hear is that we're very cinematic. Um, it's a, that's actually a great adjective. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I would love to get placed in, in anything. You know, I, I do have some stuff in some small indie movies in the early 2000s. I have a couple placements, but, you know, um, that's probably under the Pete from Texas brand, which was more like an Americana thing I was doing. But um, yeah, the cinematic stuff, all like if you hear Night Train, that's the one we get all the time as well. That's an instrumental, but at the end of it, it goes into almost like a Miami Vice synth wave, but really lo-fi. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check that out, man, whenever. Yeah, later just, skip, on just skip to 212. <laughs> like if you don't like okay. the beginning of it just skipped about two minutes and 12 seconds uh for night train and it's just pretty much if yeah if if, if phil collins wrote lo-fi instrument <laughs> it's an yeah, instrumental that we would love um and then there like booker t from the wwe he did one it was last one before sundown he did a promo and that was the song in the back and that's just straight up lo-fi Oh, cool. That's like lo-fi hip-hop beat. Just no rapping. It's instrumental, but it's a lo-fi yeah. hip-hop beat. Yeah, I, I, you know, for me personally, and I'm, I'm curious what, what you think, but I, um, 
you know, me being an instrumental artist, I pull a lot of my inspiration from movies. Like I just grew up in the era when like movie soundtracks were, were a thing, you know, they were uh-huh. popular and you don't hear about movie soundtracks really hardly at all anymore. Now that I think about it. Um, the last, the last one that you hear is garden state. Like that's the one last one that appears yeah. to have ever been thoughtfully put together was garden state. You know what? Now that you say that, and I think about it. You, I think you might be right. I mean, cause that, that's a great soundtrack. That and, and, really and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That was the other one. Say it again. That and the only two I'm thinking of, and I'm sorry to talk over you. Um, yes. That one and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Those are the two that I was. Okay. That have had some form of, like the soundtrack has had a cultural impact. Yeah. I don't think I've heard that one. I think there's one song in there that comes to mind, but I have to go back and, and um, refresh my memory on it. But yeah, no, the Garden State soundtrack was was great. It's just, you know, the 80s and 90s, the soundtrack in some instances was like almost as big as the movie was. If you uh-huh, think about absolutely. it, it's like I kind of feel like that's sort of a dying component of cinema. And I... I just kind of grew up in that era, man. As you know, I'm sure you did as well, where movie soundtracks were a big deal and they kind of made the entire movie if you think about it. And so I I just kind of pull a lot of my inspiration from film. You know, yeah. I'm a huge fan of 80s horror movies and slasher movies. And, um, you know, like the first project me and, you know, Rebel Music did together was very horror influenced. And so um, I'm curious kind of where you pull a lot of your inspiration from. Uh, uh, you know, it sounds tacky, but when I say, you know, I, I do pull from everything around me. It's like what I'm listening to or, you know, the, you know what I see on, in film or TV. But movies absolutely had one because my parents were immigrants. So, you know, as a child, you know, they, they just park you in front of the TV and it's like, that's your, <laughs> you know, that's your best friend. You know, that's, that's, yeah. how, you're lear- that's how you're learning English. And tentacles a lot of it was inspired by blade runner um okay. like the, the cinematography of it uh memories are gone is essentially my take on the scene with rutger Hauer, you know tears in the rain like that whole that whole ending to blade runner um the beginning of the song it's called the intro or the arrival is based on i was scoring blade runner just because I got bored and I, and I was like, you know, when the, it's that very first look at the city when the, you know, car, flying car is landing and you see like the giant Times Square looking billboard of the Japanese woman. And, um, you know, there, there's influences like, like that from TV and film. And then um, for the song, I won't make it easy. It was, um, it was a vampire, something with vampires that I was scoring. And I was like, and you, you know, in that one, you can hear the delay and it's a decaying voice. And it's like, this guy is clearly turning into whatever the hell he's turning into. And, you know, his love, like he won't make it easy. So I do a lot with film, like way more than I, even just talking that out now, I just like, oh yeah. Like, I, I think I just had an epiphany. So I probably owe you what, like 200 bucks in the therapy bill or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, but no, man, it is the epiphany. I, I, I get this stuff I, from film big time. Yeah. No, I think you and I have that in common. And I think any, you know, I think it's safe to say any independent musician who, you know, I'm, I'm strictly instrumental, but obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot of instrumental 
you have a lot of instrumental music as well. I would say, you know, our goal as independent artists that don't necessarily have full piece bands, I really think at the end of the day, it's like just maybe getting a placement somewhere like in a movie or a TV show. That's all. If I had to really accomplish one thing out of this, because I obviously don't do this for money. Mm -hmm. um, I do this strictly for the passion of music. And I'm sure you do as well. Obviously, in a perfect world scenario, we would love to be able to make some money off of it one day. I think anybody who um, really cares about their work and wants to share it with people, obviously, there's the part, you know, where you want to potentially monetize it because you want to be able to provide a living for yourself. But I think as kind of an accessory part of that, you know, you I would love to just like hear one of my songs in a movie one day or a TV show. If I were to ever be able to accomplish that. I could say, you know what, none of this was really in vain. It was like, I did it because I loved it, but I also, it's kind of just like a benchmark. It's like, hey, I set this goal for myself and I was able to pull that off. Because for me, a lot of this is about um, just music and being able to create it. There's a lot of satisfaction from that. But then also, I think if I were to ever, and if it never happens, cool. But it's like, I, that would think, I think that would be like a goal, you know? Yeah, yeah. the the placement the placement uh, like for at this stage in my career placement is like a dream. It would be absolutely be a dream come true. Yeah, and you know because I was putting together like I'm I, I really do feel like I'm starting over. I feel like the previous years I've done you know played with who have I played with you know, pretty big names, but I feel I like when I was filling out all my submissions for various festivals and, and venues, especially in Austin, you know, they're like, well, how many shows have you played in the last year? And I was like, well, I'm a studio band, so none, you know? And, yeah. uh, and it just made it feel like, but you do see the collection. They're like, who have you played with? Where have you played? And I put everything down and I was like, just so it's like, you know, I've, I've been there. Like I've done some really cool things don't just look at this last year and, you know, if it can make your bar or whatever, your venue, you know, if I can sell a hundred tickets for you, I'd love to do that. But, you know, but looking at all of it on paper at once, it was like, if I stop tomorrow, I think I could sleep. Okay. But then yeah. the, the other half of me is like, no, man, I got, I got the itch. Like you, you don't scratch the itch until you, until you get back out there and, so that's why, you know, just, you know, I'm starting to book engagements again as, as this time as, as summer sleep, because I, I didn't want to just do Americana stuff. You know, I, you know, it's very easy to just curl up with an acoustic guitar, go play for an hour in a bar and, you know, call it a day. But, um, you know, I really do want to grow a little more artistically and, and essentially, you know, Austin, I love this city. I've been here like 14 years, but. I really only feel like this city ever promotes about six bands. Yeah. No, like if you, if you need a big show, they will call six bands and you have, you have a couple thousand of us like hungry as hell. Like, look, man, like we would kill a man in cold blood for, you know, the seven o'clock spot at this, you know, festival. So I, I, I just, I, I guess seeing the culmination of everything you know, hoping you can get placements, but at the same time, it's also like, you know, Austin, I, I would love to see, I would, I would love some love from, from the city I've just grown in. 
Yeah. You know, because if you look at my streams, it's all like a lot of like UK, Germany, you know, a bunch of other places. UK and Germany are like number one and two for me in streams. But I, I would love love from like my own town. And, you know, some folks say like, you know, you have to leave Austin, come back, whatever. But what do you do if you're not even originally from Austin? You know, my hometown said you couldn't do it. You have to leave and come, you know, come back. But mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going back to you know just outside of Philadelphia. Like what the hell do I want to do there? <laughs> so I'd, I'd love to see. I would love to see Austin show me some love in that regard. And I probably took a long way to say, you know, I, I would like TV placements. But no, man, I, I, uh, I uh, no, I appreciate that response. It's interesting. I was really trying to internalize it because you know I. I'm, I'm from Austin, born and raised, and I've lived here my entire life. And so I think back when I hear, you know, anecdotes like this, I think back to kind of um, just how simple Austin was in the 90s. And it really was about supporting local artists. And when I say artists, I kind of use that as an overarching term um, for musicians, painters, mm -hmm. list goes on. And it's just the the ethos of the city has changed so much to where it really is about exploitation now. And it's about, it's, it's, it's been corporatized. And I think that's why, you know, a venue, it, there's kind of a, an elitist component to it now, uh, probably for lack of a better term. And yeah, I just don't think it says like independent artists friendly, you know, they're like, mm -hmm. You know, they were you nominated for a Grammy? Do you have songs? And it's like it's more they're really trying to just like it's all about like how many tickets can you sell? You know, really, it kind of feels that way. Absolutely. And, you know, even when I was in a band that was really like around like up until like 2016, I was in a band that was really popular, Um, you know, more so in San Marcos. But, but you know, Austin, we had a great run. And I mean, we we played with some of the best of the best, you know, like Carolyn Wonderland, Shaky Graves, Quiet Company, Bayonne. I mean, a, a lot of cool bands. And honestly, even then, it was like, well, how about a how about a slot on the small stage at ACL? Well, not really, you know. And then it was like, okay, well, how about you know this showcase at South by? And it was like, well, not really. And that's when we were kicking butt. So I can't even imagine what my road is going to be now, <laughs> you know, where it's like, I'm back to being, you know, an unknown. Um, do you like touring though? Like, is that kind of, is that what your kind of where your heart lies? Like, do you want to be a live performer and do all that? Because so that's not really my background. And so for me personally, I don't, and it's probably because I don't really come from that, but I don't really care so much about live performing um, where do you feel like that's a big part of kind of your music identity and like what you want to do long-term? Not long-term, but now it's a necessary for me to get back into the game. It's a necessary evil. Yeah. Um, because again, I did it from, I mean, uh, I've toured almost all 50 States, zillion different bands open for God knows everybody. I, I was like Mr. Opener for Austin. Like if you, if, if Austin needed an opening act, I've probably opened for them. Um, but Honestly, touring is at my age now and with like how long I've been in the goal, the first goal is placement because I just, man, I just want to be able to feed my family. Like that's your priorities change over time. It's, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be on the road and be like, Oh, I want to party with chicks and whatever. 
right get drunk every night like i don't even drink you know so it's like i'm not a partier i'm, I'm probably the most boring person you could bring on tour you know because i'm not swinging from the chandeliers or anything but i like the aspect of growing what we're doing i love the aspect of actually meeting people there are some really sweet people out there you know and i want to connect with people i feel like i learn something from someone all the time i don't just hide in the dressing room you know but at the same time it's like i don't need the self-affirmation that some people do from touring like there's some people where when they go on tour it's like you know they, they need a thousand people to fist bump them and tell them they, they were amazing that night i don't i don't have that need yeah like and, and i think that's why i'm like if if this all ended tomorrow and somebody said okay we're going to give you three placements it's enough to get you know, some new countertops and pay off your truck i would be like you know like you had said like i get a good placement I, i'm pretty fine with calling it a day and yeah and and that's and that's that's the world I live in now. You know, I tried it through podcasting. I tried it through voice acting. I tried it through comedy. You know, it didn't, it didn't happen in those. So I'm um, even strongman events, you know, so I'm back to, I'm, I'm back to, back to one again, you know, we're just trying to find my niche and finding my kind of purpose in entertainment. You man, I'm, I'm dealing with that same um, dilemma right now, actually. It's interesting that you say that because I, just love entertainment in general you know i always had aspirations of working in entertainment and so i'm kind of just probably throwing um what's that what's that how do you say that throwing your hat in too many i don't know there's some adage i'm thinking of that i'm like butchering right now like like, th like throwing your hat into in the ring but also spreading yourself too thin or... yeah yeah it's like i'm just yeah. I, I feel like i'm doing like too much right now and it's because i well, for one, we live in a in a society right now in a culture with the internet that really I think um, encourages that in a way because mediums are so simple to get into now. And when you kind of have an adventurous personality like me, you're like, oh wait, I can go start a podcast for like nothing. Let me go try that out. Or oh, I can go do a voice reel and submit it for voice acting. Let me go try that out. Oh, I can go do stand up for free at an open mic. Like. There's really nothing holding somebody back this day and age with all the mediums that we have available to us. Mm -hmm. And so I think I deal, I think I'm plagued by that a little bit where it's like, oh man, I don't really want to just do one thing because it's so easy to do all of it if you really want to. But then it's kind of that double-edged sword where you're like, maybe you're spreading yourself a little too thin. So I'm trying to navigate through that right now as we speak, because uh, I'm interested in a lot of things, man. And I... You know, I'm I'm single. I don't have kids. I'm not just gonna like sit at home and watch Netflix for seven hours. I like to stay busy, so I I want to try different stuff and just and you know what it is, man. I think it's I don't want to look back one day in my older years and kind of have any regrets in regards to that because if I at least say that I tried it, I can be content with that. Yeah, I mean, the I think the old adage is like hell isn't a place. It's what you could have been staring back at you. Yeah. You know, and I mean, for me, that would be an absolute living hell. But, you know, there's I honestly like if the music thing didn't pan out, I would be happy being a comedy writer. I would be happy, you know, being a successful podcaster. You know, there there are things I would be very happy doing. But but, you know, mu music scratches the, you know, or checks. I, I keep using scratches the itch, but it checks off the most boxes. 
and but I and that's not to say I'm just doing it because I want some Spotify streams. Like I legitimately love music. It's all I know. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I mean, if you took it if you took it away from me, you would be you know you might as well just chop off my leg, chop off my arm, you know, cut my heart out of my chest because like I want music more than anything. But there's a few times where it's like you have to look at it and say, I love you so much that I have to see if I can let you go. And I've walked away from music and never felt more hollow in my life. Yeah. No, man, I'm with you on that. There was a long period of time where I don't think I touched a guitar for four or five years. And mm -hmm. I def I think subconsciously I, I noticed it and I, I wasn't really aware of it. And then when I got back into playing again, I just felt I felt more full as a person mm -hmm. i felt more soulful you know it's there's it's something very therapeutic about music and playing an instrument and uh, uh you know like you said man i don't i don't think i could really live without it it's such a big part of my identity as a person same same and, and that's and, and you'll never outgrow that and the day you do outgrow that like you are not meant to rot in an office you are not meant to you know, devote eight hours of your life every day for God knows how many years and then retire and then die the next year. Like, that's not your purpose. I mean, yeah, for some, so for some people, their job is their purpose. I'm not that guy. Same, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I work, I work a regular job on top of my other endeavors because, you know, obviously I have to provide a living for myself, but it's not my identity is not in a job as like, kind of like you said, for a lot of people it is, and there's nothing wrong with that. There has to be people like that to make the world spin on its access. But for me, it's just as a creative, I truly think it's like people are kind of, you know, you're born this way. Like there's some people who just are creative and there's some people who aren't, you know? And I think the people who aren't creative, they're okay with kind of, living more of a streamlined lifestyle where it's like they kind of do the same thing every day and there's nothing wrong with that i have lots of friends who are like that and they're happy people and they're great people i think for me as a creative i'm just like plagued with this desire to want to do creative shit and create mm -hmm. and if it, i don't it, do that i don't feel i don't even feel human it, it's taking it's taking the gamble it's stepping outside of your comfort zone and growing as a human being and the people that don't though i mean like I came from a I came from a town where it's like after high school you're expected to just sit on a bar stool, you know, get older, get bigger, and then have a heart attack and die, and then the next person just gets on that same bar stool, and you know, the cycle never never ends. Yeah, and you know that wasn't for me, and and that was the group of people that was like, well, you suck, you suck, you're not doing Sublime covers, you know, get out of here, you're not doing ACDC covers, you got to go. And I was like, this this is not the life I want. I want to be an artist. I'm not just going to sit there and play, you know, D to G for what I got, you know, <laughs> you know, four yeah. minutes of four minutes of D to G. It's a, you know, it's a lovely song for my teenage years, but, um, you know, that's, that's not my purpose. My purpose is to write some really crazy stuff and, you know, people, people in Austin were kind of very apprehensive about it. They still are. You know, even with the bookings I'm trying to get and stuff, people are extremely apprehensive about taking a gamble on me. And I'm like, you know, what I'm doing is not a gamble. It is a sure thing. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just, it, it's frustrating that when you want to experiment, the very same people that are talking so much shit on you, well, the very, they're either A, doing less than you, or B, they're going to be doing what you were doing now. They're going to be doing it five years from now. 
So and true. the same three Austin radio stations are going to call you an idiot and they're going to call them a fucking genius. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I have I have some heat. I have some gripe there. <laughs> like, well, like, you know, it's funny, man. I've seen that cycle before. I've been in Austin, like I said, a long time. And I have seen that cycle in the music industry here where it's like somebody will be kind of ahead of the curb on something and then they don't really get maybe the acknowledgement that they should and then you might see a different band four or five years down the road that kind of comes out and next thing you know they got a song on 101x and they're right you know, playing at acl or something you know like like yeah i mean like i got i got shit on because i don't do the blues guitar of you know jackie benson and stevie ray vaughn and i'm like that's not my thing like i'm not a blues guy they're blues people and they're exceptional blues people but i'm not a, yeah. like you know, pe the people who are shitty, shitting on me for not having a blues sound, I'm like, okay, you know, you probably still have like a six disc changer in your car. You got to change those CDs, man. <laughs> you know, or get away from CDs. But everyone just lives, like in entertainment, people live in your comfort zone. And then it's, you know, once you get out of that comfort zone, you'll be amazed at the artists that you'll discover. And that's what I love about Austin is you can get out of your comfort. Well, you still love about Austin is you can get out of your comfort zone. But now I think Austin's going back into a very warm comfort zone of just, just EDM people. Now it's just like, it's just yeah. turning into DJs and, you know, kids with Ableton. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, I, and I'm not a dinosaur. I'm not going to just die, you know, with a guitar in my hand, but, at the same time, it's like old people are in their comfort zone because they want everything to sound like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Young right. people are in their comfort zone because everything has to sound like Drake. And so it's like the yeah. hell do guys like us who are kind of in the middle? Like what what do, <laughs> what do guys like us do? You know? And it's, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, man. You, you mentioned EDM, and it's like, yeah, there's a big like subculture of that here that did not exist like 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Like that's that's sort of a more um, contemporary thing that really, I mean, I, and listen, man, I, you know, I love, there's parts of like subgenres of EDM that I appreciate and like, again, kind of coming from growing up listening to a lot of 80s synth music, but, you know, like the high BPM stuff, I'm just not really like, that's not what my go-to, that's not what my ear is like drawn to. So I'm not, I don't really I don't think you'd ever catch me at like a quote unquote EDM show, but I have a lot of friends that go to that stuff. And yeah, I mean, there's a big movement of that right now here in town. And I don't know if that's just kind of ubiquitous across the country. It seems like electronic music has gotten more popular maybe the last like five years or so. And maybe that's just because like you said, there's a lot of kids who can go out and buy, you know, a $3,000 turntable, get, uh, Ambleton and they're like ready to rock out, you know. So I don't know what it is, but music is very saturated this day and age. I will say mm -hmm. that, you know. And so what happens is the people who are really doing it for the love of it and are actually talented sometimes get drowned out. Oh, absolutely. And and I feel like we th there will be another musical savior. Like I don't know who that musical savior will be, but. You know, at the end of the 80s, you know, when Hairspray got really, really, really crazy, you know, you know, Kurt Cobain came along and he was kind of that savior. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know who this one will be. You know, I, I don't know who the next musicals, maybe he hasn't been born yet, or maybe he's, you know, the next musical savior is in, you know, what, 10th grade right now trying to figure something out. But 
there's going to be someone who drives the industry back to this weird, not as polished, like K-pop is wonderful. Like my wife absolutely loves it. I like it, but it's so overly glossy and something will happen in the world similar to like 9-11 where it changes the music from being so glossy to just being like, okay, all of the fake Instagram world, you know, we're we're coming back to reality again. Like every time you know, humanity gets crazy, something will will drag us. So I don't know who that next musical savior will be, but um, you know, I, I hope they're an Austin band. You know, that'd be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> um, Pete, what I wanted to ask you, I want to retrograde for a second. I we didn't really sure. get a chance to talk about this, and that that's my fault. But I, I want to hear a little bit more about kind of your origin. How did you get into music? Like, kind of take us back a little bit to the beginning. Yeah, I was I was a jazz guy, you know, high school. Um, marching band was not my thing. I don't like parades. I think they're stupid. Um, you know, uniforms, marching in the summer, all that's just ridiculous to me. So, but I had to do it necessary evil because to be in jazz band, you had to be in marching band. And at the time, I only knew how to play trombone and I was terrible at it, but I just had a good time and I liked what jazz did for me. Um, then someone saw me with a trombone in the late nineties and said, Hey, you know, this ska thing is going to be really popular. Um, I joined a ska band and got to tour with some really dope bands, um, you know, filling big clubs, you know, thousand seaters and stuff. And I was like, Oh man, this is going to last forever. And, you know, it made it six more months. <laughs> you know, I think it was like, after I said that it lasted about six more months, then ska was very passe. Um, after that in college, I started learning guitar, uh, but I was by myself. So I kind of became a folk singer um, and I started merging with other folk singers and just learning songwriting. And through that, I became the bass player for Priscilla Ahn, uh, who's some Blue Note Records right now. Um, but I was her bass player and she would introduce me to guys like Amos Lee and Joshua Radin, like, you know, really cool names in the folk, you know, in more adult world music world and then yeah. uh yeah um but again i was helping someone you know playing bass for her and you know she kind of left to do hollywood so i was kind of left behind you know while she was doing tv and stuff and i was like okay well how do i live my dreams so i was touring with a funk band for a while um they were super dope i got to play you know like greenwich village you know like kenny's castaways uh which is like if you know the history of New York City and Greenwich Village, like that's a kiss started there. It was like a really cool club. Yeah. Um, so touring. And then after everything kind of went to hell musically there, I was like, I'm going to move to Austin. I come to Austin. What year uh, is this? Like 2008. 2008. Okay. We'll get to about, oh, yeah. It's funny you mentioned 08. It was 08. And uh, yeah, the only reason I know that, man, is because that's when I graduated from college and that was about 14 years ago. So it was just a good guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, you nailed it. So, but my first, my first gig was uh, doing a session uh, with Weezer at the Irwin Center. Okay. Like, oh, so I was like, man, this Austin thing is gonna work out. And then jack shit happened for six months. <laughs> and then, uh, um, and then, you know, I found a band in San Marcos that um, that had that would needed a bass player, um, and we started. You know, and it merged and unmerged and all that. And we started touring and I got to open up for people like Carolyn Wonderland and Shaky Graves and Wild Child and 
Bayonne. I mean, I could I could do a list of it'll sound like Bubba Gump, you know, like I could do a list of like 50 million bands. And we even and had, you know what's you know what's funny, dude? I have no idea. And this just shows like I kind of live in my own little musical bubble. I have no mm-hmm. idea who any of those people are. <laughs> right. <laughs> but kind of made me laugh a little bit. And nothing yeah, but, against and, them. I'm sure they're all great artists. I just like I have a tendency to be a little bit of like um it it takes a lot for me to come out of my shell in regards to music sometimes like i just know what i like and uh yeah so that's just funny i've never heard of any of those artists (laughs) anyone anyone under the age of 35 will probably have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about yeah (laughs) but but at the time like carolyn is uh, like texas music legend um shaky graves now is like a big time americana legend from austin is he, a, um, is he a blues artist? Kind of, kind okay. of. Okay. Kind, I mean, yeah. his, that actually rings a bell a little bit. I, I'm, I think I have heard of him before. Maybe it's he a was time. a cool dude backstage. I'll say all he's gonna say is like he was a really cool dude. I had no idea who he was, and we talked for like forty five minutes. I had no idea he was the next band. Like oh, I was wow. like I was like oh he's the headliner like because the way he presented himself I thought he was like the roadie for the Wheeler Brothers. So I was, mm. you know and then he was just a cool dude and, and, and he was so courteous. And, you know, I, I went and visited him, you know, a couple shows after that and, and he could not have been more gracious, but um, Bayonne is like an electronic band. Uh, it's a single okay. guy, solo guy like me, but, but he does like really, really, he's very successful and he does really into stuff. And, and then through all that, I, in solo, I also got to open up for like, uh, Americana legend James McMurtry. He's a huge Austin artist, mm. and like Bruce Robeson, Kelly Willis. In, in the Americana world, these are the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan. I mean, this is so. So it was really cool to open up uh, for people. Uh, uh, for people listening that don't uh-huh. really know, maybe like music nomenclature in regards yeah. to labeling genres explain to us what americano is america americana with an a at the end Ameri- um, okay. <laughs> americano is a coffee now um so uh americana is uh it's almost like what country music was in the 70s before okay. before like now it's like i someone called country music uh rap for people who are you know, they called it hip hop for, I think, people who are afraid of certain ethnicities. And I thought it's, I was like, it's hip hop for people that smoke meth. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I'll say, yeah, I'll say, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's hip hop for the flyover states. And like, that's what like modern country is now. Well, well, this this isn't like bedazzled jeans, plastic boobs country. This is like 1970s. Conway Twitty, you know, that's what Americana kind of sounds like. Okay. Uh, is, there, is there kind of a, I'm getting like Bob Dylan vibes. He could count that. He could count now. Yeah. Like, could, it, could you say that maybe he kind of, well, some of the stemmed from him? I feel like if you kind of trace some of the lineage back, I mean, because he, he was, was like Willie Nelson the... and Johnny Cash, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Think of Willie Nelson now. Like when Willie Nelson goes on stage, he's not doing, you know, like, crazy bedazzled jeans you know right fireworks right. light show you know he's going out with a guitar and singing you know always on my mind and everyone's crying in the building okay. it's beautiful like I that's Amer- that's americana it's almost like so basically real country music not like yes. poppy country music i got you a hundred and ten percent yes i get it now yeah and um 
So I admittedly so, didn't know what that term meant, and so yeah. that's why I was I was using the audience as, as a scapegoat there. So. No, no, no. All is all is well. I will, I will, I will never dishearten anyone for for not knowing that because it is kind of like a not obscure, but it's the in it's like the country version of the indies. Um, that makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. yeah. So so I was doing that, you know, with those names, and and it was really cool. And then, you know, about 2016, 2017, I, I was just like, I'm, I'm just so tired. I've been going since 1997, <laughs> you know, without a break. And, um, you know, and, and then I, like I said, I just took a break and I was like, what do I want to do now? And like, I don't want to live other people's dreams. I want to live my dream. It's my turn. You know, I've, I've helped mm-hmm. a lot of people get on television. I've helped, you know. And the thing I hate about success is that it made a lot of people that I've helped slam the door shut behind them. And I was like, Oh, it's my turn. And they're like, well, we're going to go to Hollywood. Fuck you. You know? And yeah, I've, I've, I've gotten that a couple times and I'm not going to name names of people, but um, you know, I've gotten that if like, there's at least three acts that have gone on to go get record deals that I've worked with. And then when I was like, Hey, can you just pass my demo to somebody? Like either you don't hear anything for years you know and then it's like oh well okay i was you know i scratched your back you couldn't scratch mine you know and um you know man i gotta say it infuriates me when i hear stories like this because it's just like the audacity you know like could you imagine you know somebody who you kind of helped out in the early stages and maybe they surpass you in a way and they can't even sort of like repay the favor like in any form like if something is it doesn't even have to be like this grandiose gesture like something as simple as like hey dude can you hand this to someone yeah like, and it takes like no time well like so there was stories okay. like that it's, it's just it's it i can't even wrap my mind around it i was i was you know dabbling in entertainment i was doing some work you know with the podcast and stuff in the professional wrestling world and there's a professional wrestler who's immensely popular now and, you know, I even had said to her, I was like, hey, you know, I've done all this work for her. And it was pro bono. And it was at least 25, 20, you know, 30 hours of uh, free work. And I was like, can you do me one favor? Can you just tweet? Hey, I, I like summer sleep. You're something stu- you know, It doesn't even have to be I like summer sleep or hey, check this out. Like one tweet once, which is how long does a tweet take 30 seconds nobody even uses twitter anymore nobody gives a shit so it was like 30 seconds once would put food on my table and she couldn't even do that you know and and there are people who just hang on to the you know and there are friends that hang on to them and kiss their ass and whatever and i had to just come to the grip and say look like you know just because someone is doing well doesn't mean you have to kiss their ass you know, it's like, yeah, because there's a very good chance that even if you befriended the person and had a legitimate friendship with them, um, like I did with some of these artists, they'll just slam the door shut behind them and pretend they never met you. And I'm not asking, like, like you had said, just hand something to someone. If they throw it in the trash, who gives a shit? Like you did your yeah. part. Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. And that's that's what I struggle with is it took years to get over that. You know, it took it took years to to even look some of these people in the face again and be like, like, I've seen you put over people you met in a train station 
how could you not put me over? I was, I was a friend, you know, I, right. you know, I was at your dad's funeral. I was at the, you know, it's like, I was legitimately a friend. And once you got, you know, five, six figures in your bank account, mysteriously, like, you know, and I don't ask these people for money. I have, you know, good, good day job, but I'm saying like, once you get five, six figures in your bank account, mysteriously, you know, you're, you're gone. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And it's not like I'm a guy who's bad to be around. Like I'm not in the police blotters. I'm not, you know, you know, I, I keep to myself and I keep my nose clean. I pay my taxes, you know, but, um, so I just don't get it. And I, I, I guess I don't really have to get it. I'm just like, if, if they don't want to associate, they don't have to. Um, but I just hate when people slam the door shut. Yeah. You ever heard that, um, that expression it's like you want to know who your friends are like go start a business yeah or that before absolutely absolutely i've heard that it makes more like the older i get it makes more and more sense and like you know i'm i'm fortunate i i'm i'm like you man i don't have a ton of friends but i i'm i have a really close-knit small group of friends that i've known for 20 years like a lot of them are people i um like zach who's been on the podcast with me before i've known him since i was 11 years old um he's from austin as well and then i have a couple of really close guy friends i went to college with um love them to death but you know like i i do a lot of things creatively and i sometimes i have to remind myself man because it's so easy to take things like personally sometimes in life but i realized that um when i stopped kind of taking things personal like the happier i became because what i realized is sometimes people and I, I even dealt with this with like family members. It's like people, um, maybe they're just, their self-awareness is that low that they don't actually mean anything by it. Like if there's no malicious intent behind it, they're just, they're so unaware of their own inability to just like a friendly gesture. You're, you're so much more generous with that than me. I'm, you but know, man, I, I didn't used to be. And I have to, it's a constant. <laughs> listen, I'll, I'll say this, Pete. It is a constant. Like I'm constantly having to remind myself of that because it's very easy to get in my own head. And you know, I've I've done a lot of cool shit in my life, and it's like I don't really get any kind of acknowledgement from people close to me. But I don't. I don't think it's like anything like really intentional. I just think sometimes people are kind of like in their own little world we're kind of like the star of our own movie and a lot of people are kind of just I, I, that's our ego you know like i think some people like i uh long story short i started my i had a small business probably like i don't know four or five years ago it didn't last very long but it was successful for a short amount of time and people i hardly knew like just acquaintances maybe i met once or twice in my life were um customers of mine but like nobody close to me ever really was a customer and so i think that's where kind of like a lot of like that kind of expression comes from is like you know you're uh how was it put to me one time it was like strangers can make you rich right but like your mm-hmm. friends sometimes won't well it, i think i think there's a i have like a little two-parter a very short one as well but to add, like to add to yours and kind of even contrast a bit. Like when you have a friend or a family member, um, and I've had to use it on both, you know, friends and family members. There's times where you just have to cut bait and say, like, it's not because I don't care; it's because you don't care. You know, right. they where, where they will take your that for granted. But the other the other 
you know, that was on something you had said, you know, in the beginning of that, but there's also another part to it, which is like, if I post that I'm like, I've, I rarely sell my albums because I hate asking people for money. It's probably another yes. reason why I don't you know make a lot of money in music is I hate asking people for money. But what I, uh, you know, the mindset I have is a friend will probably not buy something off of you, but there's the first ones to go buy a pair. You know, it's like, you've never met, you know, fashion designer X, but you're the first one you're, you've never met Gianni Versace, but you're going to go buy something every time he drops it. You never right. met Steve jobs or Tim cook, but as soon as Apple comes, you're the, you know, you're waiting in line in the freezing ass cold and, you know, or, or I'll use the adage, like, you have to pay Costco $100 a year before they ever even let you walk through the door and you're the first one there. You know, yeah. and it's like, but if I release an album, oh, well, I can, it's really, you know, and I, and I price my stuff reasonably, you know, I'm, I'm between, you know, do, you know, traditional dollar a song and five bucks an album, you know, because I, I don't want to exclude anyone that's, you know, in a disadvantaged position. And I always have my stuff free to stream, even on my website, you know, the summersleep.com. So like, I, I don't want to take advantage of someone's disposition, but at the same time, like, yeah, I was like, you guys will share a click of the boys, you know, that, you know, with the weird hair and the tattoos, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like you'll, you'll share the fucking Island boys before you share, you know, a friend of yours that's written a great song. And it doesn't even have to be me. It could be any friend. You know, it could be, yeah. but, but they'd rather share stupid bullshit of, you know, somebody doing a shuffle dance on TikTok versus, you know, someone who were like, if I, I don't have TikTok, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't yeah. like it. But if you shared some of my work that puts, even if it's one share that could put dinner on my family's table, you know, you don't need to see somebody lip syncing to a fucking comedy on TikTok or Instagram. You don't need somebody who's doing weird shuffle dances on TikTok or, you know, the, you know, I like, like I said, you know, the Island boys whose sole claim to fame is saying I'm weird guys thing. And I'm, I'm an Island boy. Like people would rather do that than share. And, and that's the stuff that drives me insane. Yeah, no, man. I mean, when you, when you put it that way, I'm, I'm angry now. I'm going to call everybody <laughs> I know and cuss them out. I, I, I've like unfollowed like, friends and stuff. Look, <laughs> you're going to Costco and you're not fucking sharing my shit. We got a problem now. No, dude, trust me. I get it, man. I really do. Like I, when I first started doing music, I, I got a little like, you know, and uh, like when I put out my first project and like nobody said a word to me about it, it kind of like bothered me a little bit. But then I was just kind of like, you know, man, sometimes people, and I hate to say this, but sometimes people and i don't even know if it's like i don't want to use the word jealousy right because i don't think that's maybe that's what it is maybe it's could not. be it, it I, could I very well be jealousy maybe it could be it could be i don't want to put that on somebody because that is kind of a a bold thing to say but i've through this creative journey of mine whether it's music podcast whatever the case may be i don't really get a lot of acknowledgement from people close to me and i'm i've had to kind of tell myself like Maybe they're supporting me from afar. Maybe they're not as expressive with their words. I will say that, you know, maybe I'm better at talking than some of my friends aren't expressing themselves. Hence the reason why I have a podcast. Maybe that is because I do think not everybody's communication skills are the same. 
could be a communication breakdown. I try to give these people the benefit of the doubt, but I've just kind of what I've done for myself just to make myself feel better is I just have to say, you know what, man, I'm going to do it with or without people's support close to me. You know, uh-huh. that's kind of, I've had to kind of convince myself of that. Welcome to, ten- <laughs> Welcome to tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> because when I know, release tentacles, like, that's exactly what happened. It's like, you know, if, the, if, if what I'm doing is good, it's going to work regardless whether, you know, so-and-so that I hang out with, you know, two or three times a year shares it or not. That's what I've kind of had to tell myself. And in a weird way, it's almost like not the really the responsibility to do that. Like you would hope that they would do that just out of kindness. But what I've had to remind myself is not everybody operates the same way. There's a lot of people that I went to college with who um, I'll give you an example. There's one guy that lives in Houston who is a hip hop artist who I met when I was in college. He raps now. I maybe talk to this guy once a year. Every time he puts out a project, I share it. The reason why I'm conscious of that is because I'm an artist myself. And I know what that's like. I know the work that goes into putting out a project. And because we're kind of in the same space, I do that because, and I'm not even like really close friends with this guy. I just do it because I think it's dope that he's putting out music. So sometimes it's just like people sometimes don't do things because maybe they're not privy to it. Like I've had to tell myself this, like people who don't record music or play an instrument don't know the amount of sacrifice that went into it. You know, when a lot of people were out fucking around on a Friday or Saturday night out at the clubs getting fucked up, I was like in the recording studio or I was at home writing. I was at home practicing. So a lot of people who like, Again, I think some of this could just go back to like it's self-awareness. I don't know if people really understand. Like a lot of people who have never started a business don't understand the amount of sacrifice that goes into that. So, and sometimes just that's just not their fault, you know? And, and they, yeah, and, and I'll, give, I'll give you this example. Like, you know, when I was in Priscilla's band, we went to go watch Amos Lee record his first album. And he, they had been going for roughly 20 hours at that point, and they showed no signs of stopping in the studio. And, you know, for the two hours I was there, they did the same minute and a half of music. You know, it was like over and over and over and over and over, and each one was more perfect than the last. And, it, you know, the, the level of, and I was like, the level of perfection that these guys are putting in, I was like, this is for a three-minute song that someone might even skip. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was, I mean, the song was give it up on the, on that first Amos Lee album. It was the song was give it up. And um, I was like, it was a good song, but I was like, they probably put 20 hours on that song in counting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So, so I know I, I, I totally know that I, I totally get that. If, if you tell someone like, Hey, you know, this, this album took 40 hours of this EP took 40 hours of production and maybe, you know, another 10, 20 of, of mixing and mastering, like, you know, they yeah. might think, well, I, you know, oh, I would, you know, oh, it's a three minute song. It probably took two hours. Maybe it took right. an hour. Well, I think I there's know. probably yeah. some people out there that listen to a three minute song and go, man, they may have do this together in five minutes. And that's not to say that that hasn't happened. There's a ton of kids with garage. Well, there's live albums. I mean, you have live albums. I mean, yeah. Yeah, where it's, you know, live at Budokan, Kiss, you know, Kiss Alive. And, 
you know. Yeah. No, you know well, there's a lot of like 15, 16 year old kids with GarageBand on their computer, and dude, they're fucking. They throw a song together, and I mean, you, you always, there are some crazy stories like that, especially kind of in the hip hop rap space, where mm-hmm. you know they'll throw a fucking beat together on GarageBand and they'll throw out a song, and it'll get like a million views on YouTube. Like that's a real scenario that's happened. So. Oh, that, that's it's, why some of my other so- like some of the beats you hear, like last one before sundown and uh, I don't feel at home anymore. Um, those were written strictly for that purpose. I was like, either A, I just want to see, like I spent all this time on tentacles and, you know, I, I didn't get as hard an impact as I thought I would. Let me try ones that I don't put as much time into. And honestly, it was, it was pretty, you know, I mean, I didn't promote them as well, but um I was like, will this be the one that gets a weird million hits? You know, like I just, yeah, I, I, that, that was a period where I was kind of throwing spaghetti on the wall to see what sticks. But dude, that's why you're a musician. Like, I think, um, you know, when you love music, you like to try out different shit. And trust me, man, if I knew how to engineer at home, I'd probably be putting out way more music. But uh, I got another project coming out in October I'm excited about. It's, it's probably it's more like the first project I put out a few years back. So I'm excited about it. We're kind of getting back more to like the horror core stuff. So, um, yeah, my, the whole first quarter of the year, I was just in the studio and writing and recording. And so I recorded two projects. I put one out in July and I'm putting another one out in October, man. So this year was really about like COVID as, as it did with you kind of threw a wrench in a lot of my aspirations Mm-hmm. and so i just like didn't touch music for a couple years and like when things kind of felt like we were getting back to some normalcy this year my first objective going into 2022 was like i gotta get the fuck back into the studio yeah, so that and- was just my that was just my primary focus the whole first quarter of the year yeah if you can get if you can get an opening slot for nate no face i think you will be very happy because <laughs> he, he does something very similar What's his is, name? I'll have to check him out. He's got music on Spotify. Yeah, N8, the, like the letter N, the number uh-huh. 8, no face. Cool, man. I'll check yeah, it he's, out. He's brilliant. He is super. In, he's the, he is my, he's like the dream that I'm trying to do. It's like a guy by himself, super indie, just has his own thing of followers. He's selling out the rooms he wants to sell out. And at the end of the tour, he goes home fucks off for a year or two and then does it again. And that's I'm like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. That's, just, that's the model, man. That's uh, Hey, I'm going to have to jump in a minute, but. Um, yeah. Do you know what I was going to say is uh, tell, uh, tell everybody where they can find you, like your socials and stuff. Of course. I'm at uh, summersleep.com is the easiest way because that's a central. I have all my links on there. So just summersleep.com. Uh, Instagram, summersleep music. Twitter is I don't use anymore, so don't bother. It's the bathroom wall of social media. But um, just start with summersleep.com, and and there's so much to listen to there. And I'll close out on this one thing. You you'll even hear um, another Texas legend, Nina Diaz of Girl in a Coma. She covers one of my songs. I couldn't commercially release it, so I have it on that site, and you can hear it there or my SoundCloud. Dope, man. Well, I appreciate it, Pete. Thank you so much for your time. This is a great interview. Everybody, everybody listening, go stream Summer Sleep on Spotify, Apple, all the DSPs. And uh, I wish you the best, sir. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, my friend. If there's anything I can do to help you with your record, obviously let me know and I'll be, I will be glad to.
Awesome, man. Take care. I appreciate it. As well. All right. Bye. Trapped in Austin Podcast.